We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, IB Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince. That's Brian. It is Friday, and we're, we're going to take it way back. We're going old school. We're going OC. This is the Friday free-for-all mailbag. I know it's not on Fridays anymore, but it is this week, and I'm fired up about it because I haven't done one in a while, and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna kind of back to back mailbags because we're gonna do one true. on Monday as well. So that's yeah, a, it's gonna be a lot of questions. They're gonna be getting answered well, here over the next and couple days. There's a lot of questions out there, like just mm-hmm. in the universe, and there's already a bunch uh, of good ones in the chat. Um, and let's let's have some fun with this thing, Brian. They're they're all yeah, over man. the place. I can tell you that there was some history ones. There's obviously football ones. There's ones about my family they're 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 kind of all over the place but that's what i i think a lot of the ones at the beginning vince are not showing up in mine because we've been having it so the first one for me is a 1241 okay let me and it's joe allen's question so you might have to actually open the chat up and bring up 1217 is my first so you're gonna have to bring up some of those but we do we can start off with a super chat though okay let's do it rolling tyler evans thank you so much for the super chat Will Howard to OSU, is this a panic move for Ryan Day? A little bit. It doesn't mean that Will Howard's not a good football player. He's a good sure. football player. He's just not – I mean, he, he's just not – let's just say this. He's not what Ohio State normally has at quarterback. That's fair. And, yes, I think it's a panic move. I don't think that they've recruited the quarterback position very well in recent seasons mm-hmm. and I know they've landed some highly ranked guys but not guys that I view as top players difference makers yeah. yeah and some of the guys they've picked up they've picked up late because they missed out on a lot of their top quarterbacks and I don't yeah. know why they're having such a tough time landing their top targets I think a lot of it has to do with Ryan Day I don't think he's overly likable to be hmm. completely honest with you he's kind of a jerk and, you know, we're like Lincoln Riley, whatever you want to say about him, he's very likable. I mean, as far as how he in, in, interacts and things like that, if you weren't sure. a Notre Dame fan or a, a fan of an opponent, you'd be like, I like list, listen to this guy talk ball. Where Ryan Day just constantly looks either constipated or pissed. 
You know, <laughs> just nonstop. Even when he's happy, he looks pissed. Yeah. And then when he opens and, his mouth, it doesn't get any better. Right. That's a problem. And he's basically been punked the last three years by Jim Harbaugh, and he's done nothing about it. Yeah. And that's just weakness. And so I, they've had a lot of problems. I mean, Devin Brown was very overrated coming out of high school. The kid they got from Idaho is a nice player, but he was the guy they got on late. They flipped him from Washington. Total, I would imagine that kid's regretting that one a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just – it's a good – he's a good quarterback. He'll add a dimension with his legs if Ryan Day is willing to allow that to happen. That's a good question right, right? there. And, yeah. you know, we saw him do some things with Justin Fields, but not enough with Justin Fields, to be completely honest with you, in my opinion, to really take advantage of what he could do as a runner, uh, in, in my view. I mean, Justin Fields had 484 yards and 383 yards in two years. Now, the 383 came in eight games. That was during the COVID-shortened season, but – he never got the 500 yards so you know how will he utilize that effectively right. i don't know but i do think they've had some issues with their run game recently and kind of like what we've talked about with notre dame where adding riley leonard is going to do things to kind of protect the run game because you have a quarterback that's a runner i don't know that i would call will howard the kind of runner that riley leonard is but he adds a big-bodied kid that can move and you can run some read zone stuff with. So, I mean, there are some things you can do. This, to me, does not move the needle at all for right. Ohio State, in my opinion. It, it doesn't. And it's interesting that, you know, that they're, they're talking about, well, we got our guy. And it's like, no, you got your guy after you'd got passed over by that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, and that guy. Right. And, and that's when you got your guy. And so it's just once again, Ohio State's in a situation where their top targets that they went after at quarterback – have chosen to go elsewhere, including Notre Dame. And this is where they're going. So would you say that Ohio State is better off the same or worse off with Will Howard versus Kyle McCord? The same but different Okay, is what I would say. Okay, You know, I, I think, that, again, I, I believe one of the issues that that they had with with Kyle McCord is he's a he's not – he's a decent athlete. But he doesn't have great pocket presence, pocket mobility. And when your offensive line has some of the issues that Ohio State had this year, it can be problematic sure. for him. I mean, we, we talked about this. When Notre Dame was heating, this is part of the reason I was so annoyed that they dropped eight in some of that, that last drive because when you were heating that kid up during the game, he was useless. I mean, yeah. he, just, he couldn't hit passes. Right. Almost every big pass he threw was when Notre Dame dropped it into coverage. Because when he can sit back in her pocket and make reads and throw the football, he can do some really good things. And so you look at Kyle McCord this year, and you look at the things that he did. You passed for 3,100 yards, 9.1 yards per attempt, a 161 quarterback rating, and he had 24 touchdowns and six picks. And he had minus 65 rushing yards and no touchdowns. Uh, Will Howard this season only threw for 2,600 yards, only 7.4 yards per attempt, 61% completions, 140 passer rating, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But he also rushed for 351 yards and nine touchdowns. And, and so, you know, he brings a different dynamic to the game. And so your yards are going to be similar. You yeah. know, two kids' yards are very similar. But the reality is, is part of the reason Will Howard went into the portal is because Kansas State was moving on. They were ready to start the Avery Johnson era. And so think about that. Ohio State's going to try to go compete for a championship next year with a quarterback that Kansas State said, thanks, but we're ready to move on. And only ever got a starting job to begin with because Adrian Martinez got hurt right last year. So it's um he's a solid quarterback. 
but this is not, I mean, this is, you went from CJ Stroud to two years later, Will Howard. That's not, and, and Ryan Day has proven that he's not the quarterback whisperer in my mm-hmm. opinion. And, and, um, you know, he hasn't been that the, yeah. this season. I mean, he, he couldn't be that with Kyle McCord. He wasn't that with Devin Brown. You know, we, we've seen that CJ Stroud's pretty darn good football player. And uh, it's interesting. Very interesting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's move on to Joe Allen. Who do you like in the FCS title game, South Dakota State or Montana? I have no idea. I, I, I know that South oh. Dakota State's got some NFL kids on their roster, and they're I think they're the defending national champs. Okay. It's about all I know. I know both those teams are good because yeah. I've heard of them, and I know that they're always they're always deep into the playoffs and things like yeah. that. I have not had but, a chance to pay yeah. attention to FCS football this year. I have no idea. So I, I just pulled it up because I wasn't sure what your, you know, <laughs> what yeah. your take on that stuff was. All right. Yep. Here we go. Uh, just your ordinary Joe, what should we expect going forward in terms of headset communication between staff and player, player to player? What are your thoughts? Well, they haven't figured it out yet, but honestly, it should be staff to player. Right. I think the conversation is, is, is it going to be like the NFL where it's staff to one player mm-hmm. and then that one player has to communicate to everybody? Or is it going to be a thing that some people are advocating for, which is, you know, you're basically that the, the play calls go into the entire offense or right. the entire defense, which, you know, that's kind of interesting. I don't know how much I like that or not. And then the other thing is there's a lot of things that are being discussed, like, you know, they, they experiment with a lot of things in the bowl game. And I, and, and I believe I read that in one of the games, basically, like they left it on the entire time. Really? So like the coach could talk to the quarterback, like right up to the snap. That's yeah. a terrible idea. I do not like that at all. You know, so um, now. You want to talk about lack of development? You want you want to talk about stunting a kid's growth? Tell him where to throw the ball as oh, he's yeah. dropping back. You know what I mean? It's well, like, no, it's like once the ball snapped. It's like okay. it's like once the ball. Still, snapped. I still but don't it, like it, it. It doesn't. No, I'm I'm with you. But it, it when it when it comes down to it, Vince, it's it's one of those things where it's it's it needs to be like 15 seconds, 10 seconds. You've you know you've got with, with, on the play clock. Once it gets right. to that point, you turn it off and it and you and you you, you know. Which you would follow with, the NFL you right. know, model. Um, I don't know. What's the NFL like? 20? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't know what the exact number yeah. is, but I know it shuts off at some point, you know. And that's it. how it should be. Now, yeah. I, I'm 
I'm open to look. My initial reaction with the whole giving it to the whole team is to not like it just because I feel like it's just not what I'm used to. It's like I, I want sure. the communication to be from the quarterback to the team. And I just think that there's there's always been that, but that's more of what I'm used to, you know, the way that I think it should be, as opposed sure. to dismissing something because it's not a productive idea. So I I'd be open to the idea of someone explaining me the value of everyone getting it over having the quarterback do it. Uh, but I mean, my initial thought is to not have it be that way. And it just be from play caller to quarterback. Right. Or and play then caller it's up, to middle linebacker or something. Right. You know, and then it's guy. up to the quarterback or the middle linebacker, whoever to get everybody squared away on what they need to do. Yeah. Yep. I agree. They would get rid of all these stealing signs and yeah. everything else. And they're look, they're well, still no, I mean, be, you're, 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 you're still going to have signs. If you want to cheat, you're going to try to find some way to oh, tap sure. into their communication. Hey, look, if you if you're dead set on cheating in that direction, there's always going to be something you right. Do. No, doubt. it's going to lessen a lot of the normal sign stealing that I don't view as cheating. Right, right. Exactly. Like, you're just in game stuff. The, right. Yeah. You're going to use the same calls year after year after year, and we figured it out. That's on you. Right. If you make it super simple for us to be able to look at your cards and know what you're calling, that that that's. That's no if you, if your offensive linemen are making line checks and and it's obvious what you're checking to when you make then that's part of the that's part of the the game. It's like baseball. Right. It's like you know when you're you know when you're you if you're if, if you're a major league baseball catcher and one's fastball, two's curveball, three's changeup, you deserve to get your sign stolen, right? There, that's just part of the game. That's why you mix things up and you do all this other kind of stuff, right? But what Michigan was doing was just, I mean, it was be so beyond the scope of oh, hundred percent, and hundred percent, and it will get rid of some of that, some of some of the right. normal stuff. But if a team like Michigan is dead set on cheating to that capacity, they'll just try to find ways to tap into headsets sure. or something like that. I mean, sure, just record practice and things of that nature. Right. Like, I mean, that's been done before at the NFL level, right? All right, uh, just Jordan and Joe has a few questions here, so let's let's wrap into some of them here. He says, uh, "What are the top three drivers of a player's desired jersey number?" I I do find this to be interesting because I I'm big into the jersey number. Some thing. some favorite player or a, a relative, you yeah. know, my dad wore number seven, or my dad wore number twenty two, or my favorite player. Like for me, I wore number seven in college when I could get it because that was John Elway's number, and I grew up, you know. John Elway's my guy. And so that's a big part of it. It's it's that. Yep. Uh, you know, there's also kind of, you know, maybe there's your reputations at certain schools for certain numbers. You want to get that number because of what it means and signifies. It could be, like I said, a relative. It could be you just think it looks cool. It could be something like this is the number you got handed to Pop Warner and, and you, you balled out and you just yep. stuck with it. Yep. And, you, and it's your number. It's what makes you unique. But I would say those are the three main – tradition yeah. of a position at a school uh, your favorite player or 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 remembering someone in your family you know it's my dad's number my grandpa's number whatever or three it's like i said it's just it's kind of what you got when you're young and you just roll with it and it's kind of your and sometimes guys will do things to be different sure you know we've seen like uh devin gardner wore like what 98 as a it was to uh remember i think it was like uh, mark Harmon's dad i believe is what it was yep. right and then yep. devin brown wears 33 is a shout out to Sammy Ball, right? So I mean, there's, there's, but that's the tradition part that I was talking about, right? As right. well, th th that would be my guesses on on why guys pick certain numbers, and at least that's been my experience with not just myself yeah. but my players. 
And in some guys, it's for style. I want yeah. a single digit. Why? It looks cool. Oh, yeah. You know, I'd rather wear number 11 than number 87. Why? It looks cooler. Right. And you know what? I've always, I, this is what I believed as a player. So I could never give my players crap for silly things like that because I was that way. Yeah. You know, you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good. That was right. always kind of my thing. You know, my, my son had a funny way of picking his number when he was a kid. He, so he picked 13. And he's been 13 pretty much, you know, the whole way when he's had an option. You know what I mean? When you're younger, you got to take whatever's there. But he picked 13 because he goes, Dad, he goes, every time we go to a travel tournament, all the best players wear single digits. He goes, I don't want them to see me coming. Yeah. I was like, okay. This is like when he was like 10. I was like, okay, I'll I'll take that. I I like that mentality. So uh, everybody has a different reason for it. And I think uh, it's always very interesting. I, I, I love numbers, though. I you know, just like, uh, you know, Jordan Faison's like, dude, I need you to be in a single digit. Like the 80 doesn't work for me. I don't know why, but like, you know, things like that, uh, I find very interesting on why guys choose certain things. So and I'm sure he got 80 because that's what was there as a walk-on because sure. walk-ons aren't getting, you know, first pick uh, sure. when it comes to Jersey right. numbers. He's going to get a receiver I mean? number. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I definitely want him to change to something <laughs> smaller. Yes, it did. like he's so small that like the 80 like wraps around him. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you, you got to go yeah. single digit, man. Yeah, he needs to be like one or two or something like that. Yeah, 100%. So a baller number yes. or even something like 25, 23, like a right. baller number. Yes. Right. Because those are two pretty decent. Those are baller numbers at Notre Dame. That yeah. played in Notre Dame. Now, of course, Notre Dame's last Heisman Trophy winner was a, you know, a, a, a guy that 81. Yeah, exactly. A guy that yeah. wore the 80s. So, yeah, I mean, it's true. not like you can't be a baller. Jeff Samarja wore in well, 83. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we've seen, we've seen ball, but it's just, I don't know, man. It's especially if you're a little guy. Right. Right. Exactly. All right. We got a couple more here. Here's one from uh, Michael Pate. I think uh, for as good as the defense was this past season, it has potential to get even better. Do you agree with this assessment? Any players stepping up that come to mind to make this true? Yeah. I mean, we, we discussed this a little bit yesterday, Vince. It could be better. Yeah. It's gonna. It's not gonna be easy for it to be better because it's a complex defense that benefited this year from the fact that you had what n- like nine of your starters were either fifth or sixth year seniors. Another one was a true senior, and then the only one that wasn't was a guy that was a sophomore and a fr- who was a freshman All American in yeah. Benjamin Morrison. So you had a very experienced defense this year can they continue being as good as they were with a less experienced unit? That's a legitimate question that Al Golden has to answer. Yeah. But the counter is you're going to be longer this year. You're going to be bigger this year. You're going to be more athletic this year in most positions. And with the exception of field corner, because obviously you're not going to be as long or as big uh, as you were there, but at linebacker, you're going to be bigger. I mean, Drake Bowen's bigger than, than uh, JD JD Bertrand, you know, your rover is going to be bigger. You're going to be a little smaller at will, obviously, depending on who's there. You're going to be bigger at a lot of spots. And so, but you're definitely going to be more athletic yeah. across the board. I mean, I have an article out today at Irish Breakdown where I talk about the field end position and how it was it was funny. That position has gone from a, a major concern each of the last two years now, going into 23 and now going into 2024, but for completely different reasons. Last year was who's going to flip and play big end? Yeah. You know what I mean? And how, how's Javante Jean-Baptiste going to be? I'd have no idea. To now it's like, holy moly, you lost Javante Jean-Baptiste and Nana. Those are two big losses. How are you going to handle the position? You know right. what I mean? Crazy. Right. But you you look at it and you're like, if it's Josh Burnham 
and RJ Oban, you're more athletic than you were last year at that position. Sure. Your potential is more at, is more at that position than what it was this past year. Now, Josh Burnham's going to be a junior next year, going into really his second full season playing defensive end. Javante Jean-Baptiste was a sixth-year senior. Good news is you've got R.J. Oban, who's who could who could match that. So, like that position has a chance to be better. Viper has a chance to be better. Even in the interior defensive tackles, they can get better. Benjamin Morrison can get better. There's still room for Xavier Watts to get better. And so then, if you if you do have if you're not as good at linebacker from a consistency of execution standpoint, which I don't expect them to be, you can kind of counter that by saying, "But we're going to make more plays because you know Drake Bowen is." two inches taller, 15 pounds heavier, and more explosive athletically. Maybe he's not as fast, but he's more explosive athletically, that kind of thing. And that's how you get better, yeah. uh, in, in my opinion. And, and any any players stepping up, I mean, that, that'll that be determined. My hope, obviously, is that Josh Burnham is one of those guys that steps up. They need Jordan Patelho to step up. Yeah. They need a Don Schuler to step up. They need the two young corners to step up and, and play. Because, again, it's like with any position, Vince, it's one thing to come off the bench – so nothing to be the guy, right? It's oh, a yeah, different deal. Hold it, and, and yeah. so they've got to prove that at that position. So, yeah, I mean, Drake Bowen's got to have a big offseason. I'm hoping that he doesn't play baseball. That's just my personal wish because I want him focused just on football because I think he could be an absolute dude. And here, so there's a lot of guys like that that I think could, could step into that role. We seem to get a lot of questions, and yesterday included, about Jordan Faison and juggling, you know, lacrosse and football, et cetera, et cetera. He should be the least of people's worries as far as who's juggling two sports. Drake right. Bowen is the one you need not worry about, but like right. I, the juggling of He's being a job. Well, a hundred percent being an everyday uh, baseball player, like an everyday baseball player, because he plays third base in the infield, right? Being an everyday uh, baseball player and trying to be the starting middle linebacker for the first time ever at the University of Notre Dame, like that is going to be a very, very difficult juggling act during spring ball like it just is way more difficult than whatever jordan Faison is gonna have to juggle between lacrosse and, and and football so if there are concerns about two sport athletes that should be your concern and i don't mean that in a negative way because maybe he can handle it maybe he can, he'll do a great job with it but i find that to be way more difficult than what jordan Faison is attempting to do way more difficult um it just doesn't translate they're like those two sport Lacrosse and Notre Dame wide receiver translate to each other a lot better than third base and middle linebacker to me, you know, and I've coached both sports. I've never coached lacrosse, but those, it just, the carryover isn't the same. And so that would be my, um, I don't know a better word than worry, but like, that's what I would be focused on if I was a Notre Dame person that was, you know, concerned about two sport athletes at Notre Dame. So. All right, let's see here. This is an interesting one from your or just your ordinary jokes. This is something that's on my mind a lot. Looking back at 2023, what grade do you give yourself in the realm of work-life balance? C for me, and that's an upgrade over what it had been. Because that's something I tried to be better at and still not anywhere close to where I need to be. Still don't get enough sleep. Still don't spend enough time with my family. Definitely don't spend enough time with like my parents and my nieces and nephew and things along those lines but i'm working on it so see yeah I, i'm probably in the b minus range please uh, you do so much with your kids man well that, and you're, that's you're the being thing, too though, hard, of, hard on yourself i work a lot 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I don't, I like to work. I want people to understand, like, I enjoy what I do. Um, uh, but there, like, if you look at our calendar, like every night there's something going on and usually it's work related. Right. But you're right. I try very hard. And Brian knows this, uh, cause I'm sure he gets annoyed with me at times, but I try to put family first and work, work around it. You know what I mean? But then that ends up filling up all of the day essentially. Mm-hmm. So um, more, I, I would say, Brian, more specifically, I need to do a better job of spending time with my wife. Yeah. Like the, the kids are, and I think that probably goes for everybody that has kids, right? And you, you try to prioritize as as your you kids have. and right. yeah, of course. And it's like, I need to focus on like our relationship more. And I'm not saying we have a bad relationship, but like that needs to be prioritized right. a little bit more. So that's one thing I would like to do moving forward uh, in the new year. That's so, a good one. I like that. Yeah. You guys got uh, off to a good start. Yeah, we're getting there slowly. <laughs> but, you know, 20 years, this yeah. is how it works, man. All right, Kevin Park. What are 25 recruits told of possible coaching changes? Do they warn them of the possibility? I and mean, there's no need to discuss that until it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no need to say, hey, Al Gold might leave, and then right. he doesn't. Now, what you don't do is you don't lie to him. And if you know something's going to happen, you don't, you know, like... <clears throat> Let's say Notre Dame's got five kids committed in 24 and they're going to sign in February. They don't. I'm just making a point. And you know Al Golden's leaving three days after signing day because Urban Meyer did this to Notre Dame back in the day. You tell them, hey, listen, just so you know, Coach Golden's going to be leaving. We're not going to announce it till after signing day, but he's going to be leaving. You're just honest. But there's no yeah. need to tell kids that, hey, this guy might right. leave if you don't know that he's leaving. So I, I don't think it needs to be discussed. If a kid asks about it, your, your answer is, listen, we have a great coaching staff. People are always pursuing our coaches. Sometimes our coaches are going to get opportunities that it's best for them and their careers and their families to take that position, whether it be you know going from a position coach to a, a coordinator, a coordinator to a head coach, a, sure. a giant pay raise. You know, that comes with a, a move. Who knows what it is? But, you know, sometimes when you have great coaches, people are going to take them. But you have to trust me as the head coach to make sure that if that happens, I'm going to replace them with people that are just as good, that have the same values that, that you know, right. Coach Mickens had or whatever the case may be. And we saw Logan Saldate said that after Coach Freeman, after Chancey Stuckey got fired. He said, I'm just going to trust Coach Freeman to, you know, make the, make the right decision. And that's ultimately why you don't just recruit kids to come play for you. It's not Bingo. just coming to play for Mike Mickens. It's not right. just coming to play for Al Golden or right. or Joe Rudolph or Dylan McCullough or whoever, right? Al Washington. It's you're coming to Notre Dame to be part of something greater. Yeah. And as long as Marcus Freeman is the head football coach here, everything that we do is going to be geared towards that. That's the sales pitch, right? That that's what it's towards. And, you know, your position coach leaving doesn't change the degree that you said you wanted to get from Notre Dame. It doesn't change the goals that we have as a football program. And and so that's the message. There's no need to talk about something that may not right. happen. If and Now, now when I mean may not happen, I mean if Al Gold's actively interviewing for defensive coordinator jobs, for example. This is just a pure hypothetical because right now I don't believe that he is right now. But, but you know, do you, and a kid asks you about it, you're honest with him. Sure. Yeah. Look, out. Coach Golden's got a lot of NFL teams coming after him. He's interviewed for a couple jobs, but you know we're trying to keep him to stay. But and then you do that. Yeah. You don't lie about it. You just don't need to talk about something that right now isn't a thing. It's like 
Who do you think is going to jump in the portal? Well, I don't know. Right now, the portal window is passed. So right now, nobody. Now, hmm. some guys are going to jump on the portal after the spring or whatever. I mean, that's fine. But right now, I'm not going to speculate about things that aren't there. And coaches right. shouldn't either. You talk yeah. about what we know and what you know. Right. And that's the key. And I, and I will also say, as a recruit or as a recruit's parents, it's naive to go into the whole recruiting thing, especially as early as some of these guys are getting recruited, and to assume that the same position coach is going to be there seven years later when you when you you know leave the, the university. So I think it is the responsibility and I, of of the recruits and the recruits' families when you're looking at schools. Yes, the relationship with the coaches is important. Don't get me wrong; it is important. But you also have to look at the school. What does the school offer you? Do they offer what you're looking for educationally, academically? Or do they offer what you're looking for if you're wanting to go to the NFL? I mean, are they developing players? You know, what, what is it that you're looking for as a recruit? And you have to make sure that the school itself provides that. And then it gets enhanced by the relationships with the coaching staff. That, that's how I would say to go about it. Like, we're doing the recruiting thing in our house. And right now... It's all about what does the school offer you? Are, are, is it going to set you up for what you want to do academically? You know what I mean? Is the rigor there? And then at the same time, what is the football program like? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to you have to go into recruiting, not just looking at the relationships. It's bigger than that. At least that's the way I look at recruiting. It ha it's that's the way it should be. Yeah, and that's not always the case, um, but that is the way that it should be. I uh, got one from Brandon here. This is the uh, one that was supposed to be a super chat. He says he got charged for it, but it didn't show up. So just read oh. the, you don't need to read the question. Just read the question. You don't need to read the other part, but I wanted to get to this. Um, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right it away. says, what 24 Notre Dame commits do you think deserve to be in, at the All-American Bowl? Uh, who would you have liked to see rewarded with the All-American Bowl invite? Well, there's some guys that should have been in it, either this one or the Under Armour game, one of the two. Yeah. I mean, obviously, CJ was in the All-American Bowl, but chose to go to Notre Dame early instead. And so that's why he backed out. And uh, Gerby Lambert was supposed to be in it, but he had an, some sort of injury, and so he's not playing in it. So you've got Kingston, Cam Williams, and uh, Kingston, Cam Williams, Kedron Young, and, and Bryce Young. I don't know how Aeneas Williams isn't in one of these games. When you look, he's a top 150 caliber recruit. He put up monster numbers in high school. I don't know how Aeneas Williams isn't at one of these events. Like, I mean, the kid's Missouri player of the year, right? And so uh, he he should be at one of these. I mean, Micah Gilbert played in one of, like, the Army Bowl, which is a new bowl game that the U Army now sponsors. He played in that. Micah Gilbert played in that. Bodie Cahoon played in that. Leonard Moore was supposed to play in that. No, I, th I think you could probably you can make a case for, in my opinion, for uh, Logan Thomas, who had a really good year uh, at uh, at St. Edward for a team that went to states. Uh, Bronte Johnson couldn't. I think Bronte probably would have been in one if he didn't get injured. Okay. He's another one that probably would have played in one, but he's got an injured shoulder. I'm trying to think of some others. I mean, those are the primary guys to me that that really should have been. You know, so you had the six that were named in the Army Bowl or the All-American Bowl. You had six year 23. Aeneas should have been in one of them. I'd, I'd argue Logan Thomas should have been in one of them and probably Micah Gilbert should have been in one of them with the year he had. Those would be the main ones. And then Bronte, if he wasn't injured, 
those would be the main ones that I'd look at as guys that should have been in a in some kind of major bowl. I mean, Bodie Cahoon had stupid numbers this year. I mean, just insane numbers. So, you know, he's a guy that I thought should have should have been in one, but he did play in one of the all-star games. It's the one that I think Tom Lemming, I think, now does, but it's with the Army. Oh, so, okay. So the Army now to... sponsors a bowl game, but it's not the Army All-American Bowl that it used to be. It's now the gotcha. U.S. Army Bowl. They've picked up a new yeah, venue. And, yeah, right. And so Bodie Cahoon, Micah Gilbert, and, and uh, Leonard Moore were picked for that one. Gotcha. Michael Pate says the 2015 and 17 teams are two of the biggest what-if teams of the past decade. Who do you think would win if they squared off? Same question for 18 and 20 playoff teams. I think 2017 probably would have won because they were coached better. The 2015 team had better players. I mean, that 2015 team is the most talented Notre Dame team has had that Notre Dame is Notre Dame is fielded since 1992. I mean, that's how, I mean, that team, Vince, I mean, think about it. You had three first round picks. I'm sorry. You had three first round picks along your offensive line. You had a second round draft pick, a quarterback who didn't even begin the year as a starter. You had a four, four guy, you know, a third round pick at running back. Your backup running back was finished as one of your top five all-time rushers set a freshman record that year in 15. You had a first round draft pick at wide receiver. You had a seventh round draft pick at tight end. It was only a seventh round pick because he had some issues. You had a second-round pick at center, and your right guard would have got drafted if he didn't retire from football after that season. And then on defense, your entire starting defensive line played in the NFL. Your entire starting defensive line. You had uh, – this is talking about the 15 team. You had a third-round draft pick at one corner spot. Brian Van Gorder ruined the other corner. Otherwise, he would have been drafted. Talking about Cole Luke. And then you had Matthias Farley. Couldn't even start on the 2015 team, and he played in the NFL. So that team to me in, in 2015 was was really loaded. And but they just they they still had Phil Longo or Paul Longo as the strength coach, and they still had Brian Van Gorder as the defensive coordinator. That's the problem. And so I think that's ultimately why the 2017 team probably would have won. But the 2015 team could have also just out talented them. I mean, that's the other part too. If if you, you did it that way. 2018 and 2020, that's an easy one. That's 18. Yeah, the 18 team would have beat the 2020 team. Agreed. And 2020 was one. It was I would argue was Brian Kelly's best coaching job at Notre Dame. I, I would argue that the talent was good. It wasn't great, but then having to go to, to deal with all the things that you had to deal with that off season. No, sure. no spring ball, no summer workouts. You know, you, you your your team gets put on basically in you know in the infirmary for two weeks. Yeah. After you you know after a game and then after I was after South Florida, right? I think and so. You go yeah. like three weeks before playing your next game, you get games canceled at the end of the year. Like it was a heck of a coaching job for that team to go undefeated that year. Now, part of it was they just had better players than everybody else. And they caught a break with Trevor Lawrence, not being able to play because of COVID and, and all the other stuff going on at Clemson. And when they played that game, but you got to give the guys due. like Brian Kelly wasted a lot of seasons. That one, Wasn't his it? team, he did, he yeah. did a heck of a job keeping that team together. That season, I'll give him credit for that. A lot of credit for that. Uh, but that team wasn't super talented. The 2018 team was had way better players, in my opinion, than the 2020 team. Yeah, absolutely. Like, could you imagine, like, Clarence Lewis as a true freshman? I, I said it right. As a true freshman trying to cover Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin. Like, think about uh, that. Yeah, that would not have ended. With all well. due respect to Nick McLeod, he would have had issues covering yeah. those guys as well. Yeah, like that would have been that have been tough. Right. And then that defense, boy, they just shut that 2020 offense down. Yes, agreed. I mean, oh boy, yeah, agreed. 
That there'd be a bigger um, difference in score between eighteen and twenty than it would be fifteen and seventeen. Yeah, fifteen and seventeen be a great game. Yes, agreed. You know, I, I think twenty seventeen's better coached. Uh, twenty seventeen had a better defense, but twenty fifteen I didn't even mention Jalen Smith. Right. I mean, duh. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so. I'm back and forth on 2015. 2015 might have just out-talented them and, and got the win, but it would have been a heck of a game. I don't think 18 versus 20 would have been very competitive. Agreed. To be honest. No, I, I, that's exactly right. Uh, by the way, I love this name, Seven Mules, uh, the Four Horsemen and the Seven Mules. I love the, this this name here. But he says, asking for thoughts and prayers as we're headed to the hospital on Sunday for the birth of our first kiddo. Mom is a Buckeye alum. And we are a house divided on Saturdays, but united with love. Thanks, IB. Good luck, man. Good, yes. good luck. Good luck. Absolutely. Um, what a blessing. Yes. For you and your family. But just know there's always time for her to come around. There's always <laughs> That's time. That's right. For her to come that, that, it's, it's like when two, you know, competing religions, you know, get married or whatever. Not competing, but you know what I mean? Two different religions. How are you going to raise your child? That's the end. That's the question. How are you going to raise your child? I, I, you know, I'll let I'll let that up to you, but uh, mm -hmm. but no, seriously, good luck, man. It is a life changing moment. There is no doubt about. I will never forget uh, when my oldest was born and being in the hospital and watching that all go down, man. Whatever you think is about to happen, it's way different. <laughs> so I'll just yeah. I'll just say that. So good luck, man. It is a it is a day you'll never forget. So uh, yeah. thoughts and prayers definitely coming your way for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Joe Allen Ketterer scoring on his final play at Notre Dame is kind of like Rudy or not. Not the same story, of course, but the same feel-good emotion. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, I, I think it's a completely different situation, though. I mean, yes. say whatever you want about Rudy Rudiger, whatever the case may be, great movie, all that. And and there's people that have all types of different opinions of Rudy Rudiger. <laughs> but the fact is, is Rudy Rudiger no business being at Notre Dame from a football talent standpoint. Correct. So like, that's a great story. Like, this guy was tiny. He wasn't super talented, but he hung around with the, I mean, the team for two years and was a, I mean, a guy that, that got a chance to get on the field and yeah. play and make a sack. I mean, that's, that's a great story. Chase Ketter is a really good freaking football player. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there's some, probably some group of five power five teams that he could play for. Oh, there's no doubt. In my opinion. So it's like, it's a different animal. Because Chase isn't some like nobody that that like how is that kid hung around with you know five foot nothing a hundred nothing hardly speck of athletic ability yeah, right that's that, not Chase that's not Chase Ketter that's <laughs> got a lot of athletic ability right so it's a, it's a different deal but it's it's you know it's it's props to Chase for sticking around he could have sure. gone somewhere and been on the scholarship somewhere I mean he even at the FC at the very least the FCS level yeah so it's it's like you said it's it's two very different situations I mean but. But Chase Ketterer did so much for the program, running the scout team against sure. option teams. I mean, they've pretty much dominated the triple option since Chase Ketterer's been in college. This is true. I mean, and I don't think it's a, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. But having to chase him around for entire week before the game helps. Right. Certainly helps. So, yeah, very, very different stories. But it's the whole the whole Rudy playing at Notre Dame thing. Like he had to overcome a lot more than Chase Ketterer did from a football standpoint. Yeah. Football standpoint, athletic standpoint, standpoint, standpoint yeah, family yeah, yeah, standpoint. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of different things for that sure go into it. That makes that a very unique situation where a lot of the walk-ons that Notre Dame has had that people like compare to Rudy, it's different deals. Cause it's like, dude, if I was at Duquesne, 
I'd be recruiting the heck out of that kid. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't have recruited Rudy Rudiger from what people say about his ability to Duquesne. Sure. And that's what makes it even more improbable and a yeah. great story. Yeah. You know, whether you, whatever you think of him and like I guess I've never met him, never met the man. Uh, you hear some things from some people, other things from other people. That doesn't matter. It doesn't change what he accomplished. Right. The on the field stuff. Right. For sure. The, or the practice around and battled yeah. and, and, and what was he like a DB in high school? They put him at defensive end and, yeah. you know, on the scout team. And just, he got his brains beat in for two years. But he stuck it out, man. And there's a not a lot of people could have done that, right? And uh, and then got that chance to do what he did, and then to see Chase Ketterer. Now Chase Ketterer's situation is still pretty awesome, absolutely for everything he did in his career, and then be able to finish his career, the last play he ever played, scoring a touchdown. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's a great career. But that's more recognition of this kid's done a lot for you as a football player. And it's the payoff. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's like yeah. the ultimate payoff. It's a you great know, I'm, story. I, I'm sure there's a bunch of guys <clears throat> that Notre Dame would have loved to get in the end zone. You know, those walk-on type guys, and and obviously Chase had Ooh, that opportunity. Blocking for him, he's another oh, walk-on that stuck 100%. around for two years, and you know, and Skip, it, Skip Vallada, I think had to carry just yeah. before him. You know yeah. what I mean? And got him to the six-yard line. Um, and so I'm sure he's another guy that they would have loved to get in the end zone. There's only one end zone and one guy that's going to get in. Yeah. And uh, but what an awesome opportunity! Right, Marty Hours on the was on the right. punt team against right. them. You know he was right behind the guys that made the play on the fake punt. Right. So there was a lot of walk-ons that impacted their aim this year positively, yeah. and and to see some of them get rewarded. Yeah. The way that they did in the bowl game was a pretty cool deal, man. It was awesome. It really was because they could have put Jabron Payne in there. Or, oh sure, Devin you know, Ford. Right. Because he was in on the beginning of that drive. He took him down there. He had yeah. the big run that got him down there. Absolutely. Yeah, they could have done a lot of they could have thrown the ball to a scholarship guy, but it was pretty cool to see them yeah. do what they did and for him to get in. It was a yes. really cool story. And and the the joy of ev- literally yes. everybody around him. It was a great way for the entire team to finish the season. It really was great. Yeah. yeah. It was. No doubt. Tommy's got a two-parter here. Uh, what do you think of moving signing day up to the Friday before fall camp starts, starting the bowl games the week after CCGs? When yeah, I, I think I, that's I, the conference championship games. Oh, thank you very much. Therefore, ending them earlier and not opening the portal until after bowl games have been played. Would that be a workable schedule with the semester change? So to, to the first part, uh, Yes, I have said for a long time that signing day, the early signing period should be before the season yes, starts. Absolutely. Yes. It should be it should be before high school kids start, start camp. Let the them part. let them just go yeah. out and play, man, and have right. this whole thing behind them and right. let them go play their senior year. Like that's right. absolutely how so I So one feel. of many changes I would make if I was the king of football, that's an yeah. easy one. <clears throat> the other one about bowl games starting after the conference championship games. I mean, I don't, I don't love that idea because I mean, part of the bowl prep is number one, you're getting more, more practice time in, where then you get what four extra practices in preparation for bowl game. Yeah. If it starts in a conference championship game, you can't. I mean, you can do walkthroughs the week before, but you're not going to be able to really do a whole lot because you're not going to know who you're going to play. Yeah. So you know, I understand where people are coming from on it. I just, for me, I, I don't think that's the answer. Now, you know, to me, what I would say is. Look, these schools are dominated by the money their football programs make. There's no reason they can't act they can't alter their academic calendars to give themselves an extra week or so in January before the semester starts. There's no reason they can't do that and and allow kids to do that. The other thing is don't open don't shut the portal down so quickly. Yeah. You know, I mean like right now, make it based on 
you have X number of days from the time your bowl game ends to go to go in the portal. And there's that you could do it that way. Cause then, cause otherwise it's like Notre Dame plays on the 29th and then the portal closes in a week. Well, then they let the kids in the playoffs and the new year six games, they're giving them extra time because of, you know, when their games are played, well, you know, make it based off that, you know, you have up until X, you know, X time for when your, your season ends, you could do something like that, but that gets into some tricky situations of will the semester start really early. Yeah. I understand all that, but I mean, there's just, there's no perfect system to fix this other than getting rid of the here. You want to fix it. Let's not overthink it. Here's how you fix it. Go back to having kids sit out a year. That's how you fix it. Right. And you wouldn't have as much movement. Yeah. And then if kids graduate on time with in good standing, then they can get, get that year back. Right. So you can redshirt. Cause like right now, if you redshirt and then sit out a year, you lose a year of eligibility. So what I would say is if a kid took a red shirt and then transfers, as long as he graduates on time, you know, in good standing, he can get that year back that year of eligibility. They lost with the red shirt from sitting out. You know, there's things you can do to, to help players. Like I said, you can have, have your NLI, your national letter of intent, anything the school promised you, it's a part of your national letter of intent. And if they go back on anything, playing time, you know, Make people, make coaches put their money where their mouth is. Sure. If they've promised you playing time, a dorm, a jersey number, or whatever the case may be, put it in the contract. And if they're not willing to put it in the contract, it's not a promise. Right. And exactly. you know. And if they break those things, let them out. If a, if a coordinator or a head coach leaves on that side of the ball, then those kids can, you know, have can have an immediate one-time transfer, you know, or or they you know, like I've always said let there be a window of of 15 days of when a coordinator or a head coach leaves to allow that school to make a new hire, get kids, let kids know who it's going to be, then let them get a 30-day free open transfer window. Okay? Like we we can make the system better than it was. But what we've done is we've made the system worse. We took a broken system and this is just kind of what college football seems to be all about. We took a broken system and made it worse. We took a broken transfer system and said, ha, you think that's bad? Hold my beer. I'm going to show <laughs> you bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what they did. And we, we need to be able to fix it. Well, it's that's like they made did. they changed the rules, and then they like, okay, here are the new rules. And then it's just like hands off. Like they're just like, just go. And, and it was like throwing a piece of meat into the Nile with a bunch of chihuahuas just going I – mean, chihuahuas. Uh, uh, piranhas? Piranhas, thank you. Just going at it. Like that's – Chihuahuas. That's, I don't know where I came up with that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to find like, these, these rabid chihuahuas in, in the Nile. Like what? One upstairs. Like, you mean um, the Amazon? Yeah. Well, I don't know what I meant. I don't, sure, yeah. Amazon. It was a piranhas terrible analogy. Amazon. Let's can go we, with that one. Can we just say that it was a terrible analogy? Yes. It all worked up here. No, in but, your head – you meant to say piranhas in the Amazon. Yes, I, I did. Let's go. Roll. By the time it got to my mouth, it was over. Um, but no, but they just then they just went hands off, and there's like there's no there there's no control over it. It's just it's just a crazy right. free for all, and it's not good for college athletics at all in any way, shape, or yeah. form. So agree. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Let's move on. All right. Uh, a bent ND. How long are the new playoff rules for? With the Pac-12 dissolving, seems like giving the only four power conferences a bye is now irresponsible. 
we seriously have to accept an 11 and two team over 12 and O and D 12 and O Notre Dame is never being left out of the playoff. You no. guys get that, right? Like there's never. no way a 12 and O Notre Dame team is not in the playoff. Never like, no. So we don't have to accept an 11 and two team over a 12 and O Notre Dame team. It's not happening. It, it would be okay. Maybe they might get an automatic bid, but here it doesn't even change that because it's basically the five highest ranked conference champions. So there's a scenario in which four of the five, or is it six? No, it's 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 five, right? It's it's it. What what, what are you what asking? What was the what was the previous rule? It was four of the top five conference champions will get a buy. Right, but there's an automatic bid associated with others. There's an correct? automatic bid for the five conference champions for Power Five, five and then power one, five. and then the mo- then the, the highest, highest ranked. Rate. Group of uh, six, group right. of group of whatever. Group of five. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you could you could make it to where. I mean, it. You could change the rule to where you only have five. It's the five highest ranked. Then that way, if the Pac-12 doesn't have a team ranked as high as the group of five, then the group of five team is the fifth automatic. You could do something like that. I, I personally don't want automatic bids at all. Yeah, like I would. Per, I would completely get rid of automatic bids, and and basically. To, you know, like I, I like the idea of the highest ranked four uh, power five, or now it'd be power four teams. But I don't even think you need to go power five. The the five highest ranked conference champions get buys. I'm okay with that. I can live with that because otherwise yeah. you're going to get in a situation where like three SEC teams get buys. Right. Exactly. And I don't want that. I don't want that either. But it's not that they're getting an automatic bid. They have to qualify. It's the four highest sure. ranked conference champions that are in the play. There's always going to be four, at least four power, you know, power champions that are going to qualify for a 12 team playoff. Correct. Right. And the four highest get a get a get a automatic bid. And you can say, well, but what if the the or the, the excuse me, the automatic bid, the the buy. automatic buy, which a buy. Yeah. Like, well, what if one of those teams is like the nine seed? Well, then you're rewarding the top four team that would have been in there had they won their conference championship or if it's like a Notre Dame. So now that team who let's say, you know, like let's take, you know, Georgia and Alabama as an example, right? Okay. Yep. So Alabama beats Georgia. They get a top four seed because they're ranked high, whatever. And you're like, man, but Georgia's really flipping good. And now they got to play a first round game and we're kind of punishing a team that's been ranked number one all year. Well, no, because that means they're going to get to play the team that's now a, a buy that's worse than them. That's who yeah. they play in the next round on a neutral field. So they're still getting it. It's still going to work out, you know, in that regard. So um, you've got to win your conference championship to get a bye. It's as simple as that. So yeah. that's the only automatic thing that I would, I would trigger, but yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense for them to change the rule. And there's been negotiation and discussion about how they're going to change the rule, but I think they're trying to let's see what happens with the PAC 12. The PAC 12 yeah. is the PAC two. They're going to play the Mountain West next year in football. Yeah, yeah. So they're so going to have two, a schedule, but there's only going to be two of those right. teams. So they're going to have to figure something out. I mean, because right. conceivably a team could go six and six and win the Pac two, right? And you're going to because those two are in. automatically in the Pac twelve right. championship or the Pac two championship. Like, and whoever wins that right. game, so is there's going to get there's going to be some sort yeah. of negotiation that will eventually right. happen. Agreed. That'll say, hey, look, it's just the four highest. The four highest ranked conference champions get the first round buy, and that's it. No automatic bids. Right. The only other automatic bid is the highest ranked group of five gets right. in, which I'm fine with. I mean, it adds a little bit of parity, I guess. I mean, I, I I don't know if it adds parity. I mean, I get what you're saying because they're parity. They're not gonna have a chance to 
I'm sorry, win. man. I cut you off. Go ahead, Vince. No, I, I don't think they're going to have a chance to win. I just think it it, it allows for that next tier of, of teams. If you're going to continue to have this group of five and power five format, right? And not go to like the Chip Kelly, there's 65 teams in the independent, whatever. You know, I, I kind of like where he was going with that. But if you're going to continue with 133 teams, okay? And this still leaves that carrot out there for the next next tier down to have something significant to play for. And I, I I don't really mind that. I really don't mind that at all. Oh, so I just don't see a scenario in which the pack two is going to have a bid. I don't know. I don't, the, I don't know the mechanism for it, right. but it's just, it's not going to happen. No, I there, you can't happen. that it cheapens the entire thing. If they end up doing that, like it, it yeah. if it's like you said, it's, let's say it's a six and six yeah. team. Now, I don't think it'll be six and six. I think they'll have, probably have some success against the, the mountain West. Maybe not. Maybe right. I don't know, but they're not going to qualify, I right. wouldn't think. And so they're going to have to do something. Yeah. Well, and, they, and it's like, and somebody just said, like, they don't think the group of five should get in because Liberty got was the best group of five team and they got destroyed by Oregon. First of all, Liberty should not have been the highest ranked group of five team. They were only that way because they were undefeated. Right. They were better. SMU was a better group of five team than them. Now, SMU would have got smacked by Oregon as well. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but the po- the point is, is it, it shouldn't, that shouldn't matter because there's been other years where that best group of five team played right. in the New Year Six Bowl and either A, held their own or B, won. Correct. I mean, how's it any different than, you know, Notre Dame gets into the national championship game and loses 42 to 10, 14. I mean, that happens. TCU belonged in the national title game last year, even though they lost like 65 to 7 in the championship game. Right. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't get in. And just because this year there were no group of fives that would be quote unquote deserving of being in that. That doesn't mean that in other years there hasn't right. been. Right. You can't just I mean, change the rule year to year right. based on who's out there. Yeah. Right. Or be, because then there's going to be years where, you know, there's always going to be years where teams at the bottom get get beat. I mean, the, the 2018 UCF team that took, you know, LSU down to the wire. That was a really good football team. And then the 2017 UCF in a bowl game beat Auburn. That year, Auburn beat Georgia like 41 to 17 in a year that Georgia played for the national championship. And that game went to overtime. Yeah. Right. So, I mean – there's been years when that's been true and years where it didn't. So you can't you, you shouldn't change a rule because of that. I mean, look, I I under I like the notion of some of those group of fives getting into the play. I do too. It's one of I mean, I would rather that than than some four loss, you know, three or four loss group of power five team. I, right. I, no. Agreed. I don't agree with that either. Nope. So, and then there's going to be some years where you're going to be like, dude, that, that team that the group of five knocked out, boy, that team could have done some damage and that's fine. There will be years where that's true, but most mm-hmm. years that won't be true. Right. And, then, and look, they're going to have a tall task uh, ahead of them because they're going to have to go to whoever the number five team is, whoever that number five team is, they're going to be hosting that first round game. And most likely that group of five team is the 12 seed, most likely. And so it's going to be a twelve versus five at home for that number five. Like that, that's not a that, that's not an easy task. You know what I mean? Especially with uh, limited preparation time because this is going to be about a week or two weeks uh, between the time that you know this gets named and you got to play. Mm-hmm. And so less prep time, going on the road, like that's that's a tall task for that that group. But it's also quite the reward for having a quality season, which would obviously have to happen. So. Uh, I'd be okay with it.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.